Hey, everybody, it's Cindy here, and it's time for another Life Makeovers podcast, and I'm so excited that you're here listening today, and the idea behind this podcast is to create intimate conversations with women, with people, I will say, in case someday we don't have women on, and uh, to create conversations where they share uh some of the things they've been through on their own personal journeys and things that have worked well for them. And just, just with the whole hope that we all feel less alone because we realize everybody's got a story. You know, everybody's got a story. Everybody's been around the block a time or two or three or 10 at this point in their <laughs> lives. And that we have wisdom that we have to share with one another. So sit back, relax. You're going to love my guest today. She's one of my favorite people on earth. Her name is Michelle Kaplan. And Michelle, oh my gosh, there's so much to say about you, but we've known each other for like 10 years now. I know. It's, wow. I don't even know where that chunk of time goes, but yes, thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, thank you so much for being here. We met Back in the days, we were training pretty intensely with Jack Canfield, learning his success principles and how to apply those in our lives personally and professionally. And uh, that, was a, that was an intense training over a year's time where we went three times, I guess, to California or Arizona or where all did we go? And uh, gosh, we, we became close friends. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And we've made lots of memories since then. (laughs) Yes. uh, Admire you so much. So what would you like our listeners to know about you right now? What do you got going on? Oh my gosh. So I work in human resources. I do uh, really focusing on organizational effectiveness and leadership development. Mm -hmm. And I'm also in my heart a poet. I'm a poet. I've written two books on poetry and the third one's coming out next year. And so that's super exciting. Yeah, and then I love the whole creative expression. So I, I've actually in my in my midlife, I've gotten involved with theater, more behind the scenes as an investor and a co-producer. Um, and I'm currently co-producing um, a show called Harmony that was just off Broadway, uh, music by Barry Manilow, and um, it's original, original music. So it's kind of like this whole other thing. I mean, I was the kid. Who I can't sing and I can't dance and I can't act. So as a kid, I would audition for these shows because I so badly, I so wanted to perform. And it was like next. Like I don't even think I got like a note out. I mean, that was like a good one show. Um, when I went to camp. Um, probably because it's like, all right, maybe we feel sorry for her, but you know, I so wanted to be on the stage, and it was just so not my journey uh in this life. So it's, I find it fascinating in midlife to have this whole other thing develop um, yes. where I do get to be with theater people who are so creative and just like amazingly talented um, and get to watch and then just also feel part of the group. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Yeah, now you're rubbing elbows. You can't sing, but you're rubbing elbows with Barry Manilow. <laughs> I mean, when you sent that picture to me about you with you and Barry Manilow standing there together, yeah. I, I mean, I love Barry Manilow. Like everybody I'm loves so Barry Manilow. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't love Barry Manilow. You, you don't love yeah. Barry Manilow. Don't even keep listening. To this. <laughs> 
just kidding. But uh, no, but isn't you said something that really I think is really important. And it sounds like when you were a kid, you were passionate about the arts and passionate about all these things, the creative arts, and trying mm -hmm. to find your space in that. And it didn't work out in those ways. But you know, in midlife, sometimes a lot of women will say to me, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm passionate about. And I'll say, think back when you were a kid, what did you love to do? Or what did you really want to do when you were a kid? And it's amazing how that's what they connect with now in their 40s, 50s, or 60s. And it sounds like you have found your version of this by becoming a producer and, and uh, an investor in theater. Wow. Yeah, no, it's it's really been so interesting because it's like, you know, I never really thought about the business of theater. I mean, I don't know, I just go to shows growing up and I live right outside New York City. I'm, I'm in New Jersey. Um, so we would go with my family to see shows um, and I never really thought about it. And my, through my writing, through my passion for writing is then I, I in my head, I, I just was like seeing a script come about. And I don't really know much about script writing other than it's a different genre. And so I need to learn about that. Like, I, I don't know anything about yeah. script writing. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, really, um, you know, that was the path that, that led me into this whole theater world. And it's just, it's, it's amazing to be involved with so much talent. But you're right. You have to kind of really find your niche in the sense like, wow, all the skills for th my 30-year career in human resources and helping businesses yeah. grow and succeed, you know, creating highly effective teams, better decision-making, you know, yeah. all the kind of thing. It's just now at a Broadway show, which is like a startup. Um, it's it's yeah. that same type of, um, you know, feel to it. So uh, it's nice to, yes, lend my strengths where I can do uh, towards the success of a show. That is so cool. And I think that makes me want to say to everybody listening, you know, if you're unhappy or unsatisfied professionally or just looking for something different, think about, you know, the skills you already have, the things you've already done that you've done well or love doing and ask yourself how those can translate to other areas in your life where you can find a different expression of those because I think sometimes people feel stuck, you know, in their career and they don't know, they don't know what to do, but they need to do something and they feel like they need to do something different. And you've been through that. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And for me, it was just like following the breadcrumbs. I mean, I mean, we're, you and I are both, right, are very goal-oriented people, right? I have vision boards. I have to-do lists. I have <laughs> multiple to-do lists. <laughs> I have 90-day goals and all these things. And the, you know, the part about working in theater was never on any list or anywhere. It was just kind of like, let's just, this feels right. So I don't know what is going to come from it, but let's just kind of move in that direction and, and kind of see, you know, so it's like, you know, I feel like in midlife, it's like, I'm learning really to trust that voice within that does know the answers. Right. And that, you know, even though it makes no sense in your head, because everyone's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't really know, but this is a big yes. So we're just going to move in that direction. And I feel that's what's different than when I was younger. I mean, it was kind of more like a crapshoot. <laughs> I think when I was younger, if I did it or not, you know, yeah. and now it's like, it doesn't really have to make sense. It makes sense to me. And that's enough. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's like that absolute yes you said. You know, it's when we feel that stirring inside where we go, oh my gosh, yes. Like, yes. I I don't know how. I don't know. I don't know the details. I don't even know for sure what I'm doing, but I know I must go in this direction. And so then we lean into it, right? I love that success principle of Jack's. Just lean into it. Like the breadcrumbs you said, like pick up the first breadcrumb, the first indicator, the first piece and then pick up the next piece that unfolds and and then voila all of a sudden you've got this award-winning may I say musical that you're involved in yeah no it's exactly exactly and it's just like you know with the whole midlife it's like it's 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 interesting because it's like I think people see you at a certain age you know the perception and I feel like I'm just like getting going like this is the beginning like you have enough confidence yeah. and experience and knowledge under your belt, you know, to kind of make some key decisions. Um, and so I find it fascinating where it's like, it, sometimes it's sometimes in some corporations, you know, it's kind of like, okay, what are you doing with the rest of your career? Or how many more years you plan on working? And I'm like, I don't think I was that one that ever kind of said like, oh, I want to retire early or be retired by 60. I mean, but you could be doing different things with work. And, um, and I'm just more like, oh, I'm not planning on stopping like anytime soon. <laughs> so I find that interesting how other people perceive middle-aged, especially middle-aged women um, oh, yeah. and where they're going with their careers versus how I'm kind of perceiving myself. Well, I think it's a reflection of the work that you've done honestly, the personal growth work that you've done, because I happen to know a lot of women who get to this point in their 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever, 50s, especially, and think it's all downhill from here. And Mm. they, you know, they feel washed up and finished when you and I feel like we're kind of just getting started again, like our second chapter or whatever. People have different words for it, but Um, so, and I know it wasn't always unicorns and rainbows in your life either. I mean, you've been through some really difficult things. Um, and I don't know if you want to talk about those today or not. I mean, it's up to you, but I I want listeners to understand that my, my life and those I speak to, (laughs) it's been pretty and it's been ugly. And it's been pretty ugly <laughs> sometimes, you know, difficult, stressful that we didn't yeah. just wake up and draw the lucky card to feel this good right now, the, as good as you and I feel right now. So what's, mm. you know, what's been the most difficult part of midlife for you, do you think? Um, well, the most difficult, the thing going back, I mean, before midlife is, you know, I, I would say, you know, in my, when I was 37, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. That was, that was pretty hard. Um, and that really, I feel was, was the end of something and the beginning of, you know, a lot of work, right. With any relationship, even with yourself, you know, it takes a lot of work and accountability and, um, you know, communication and things like that. But that really threw me for a loop. I mean, I went through all the, you know, several surgeries and chemo and radiation and all that. Um, and then as a result of all that, you know, that did save my life, I, um, you know, was not able to have children. And at the time I didn't have uh, any children. So, um, you know, that was the time where it was the voice, that first really strong voice within that was kind of like, okay, it could just look different. I mean, so 
but you can still be a mom. And that's when I started the adoption process and adopted my daughter. And she came home at eight months. And this was like two years out. Uh, and um, yeah, so becoming a mom at 40, um, it's definitely different than being younger, but it's like, okay. but she came home at eight months old and, you know, she's turning 16 next week. So oh, it's geez. like, it's been her and I, it's which, which also has its pros and cons, you know, I mean, yeah. I can raise her any way I want, but it's all on me. <laughs> so, yeah. Single parenting. And then in yes. a few years, you're going to have an empty nest. I hate to tell you this. I know. I know. I'm just kind of coming to see that vision because it's coming closer and closer. Um, and I almost feel like some of the work that I'm doing right now is like kind of setting me up for yeah. two, three years from now when it's like, you know, my daughter does go off to school or whatever she decides to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that you're saying that just like that, because people ask me all the time, you know, how do you prepare for the empty nest or how do you deal with the empty nest? They're asking as they're packing their cars to take their kids to college. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think it starts very early in life. Like I think, you know, when our children are babies, <clears throat> they would die without us. We are literally, they have to have our care or someone's care to live. Yep or they would die. Like they need us for everything. But that 18, typically 18 years or so is a great big long transition of them taking control of their lives. And so we let looser, 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 looser as we go along. And I think too, especially with moms, I find we really, our lives are very defined by and consumed with our children's lives. I know mine was in many, many ways, probably not even hundred percent healthy, how much focus I put there. And I think one of the reasons I did that was because I was so unhappily married at the same time. And so I just thought, okay, as long as the kids are okay, we'll do everything for the kids. Yep. You know? Sure. <laughs> just, yeah. But anyway, the personal preparation for emptiness is to have a life of our own. Yes. And I think that's what you're talking about is that you have this thing, this other baby you are growing in your life, this whole life with theater and, and your poetry and everything else that is so you that you will have, you will transition even probably more into that uh, with that open space and time that comes when she yeah. is off doing her her thing, and you you'll feel that um, that seamless shift in with that because it's already there. It's already a big part of your life. And some women wait, you know, until the kids are all gone, and then go, okay, now what? And then yeah, exactly. And it wasn't very conscious. I don't know I was doing it, but now looking back, it's like, maybe that's why I kept hearing yes, right? It's like, you don't really question, you know, the voice within, you know, it's just kind of, uh, but now it totally, you know, makes sense um, on that as we're kind of uh, nearing that because yeah, it's just going to be very different. I mean, especially with what you're talking about with the time, like I'm very aware right now of, okay, I got to be back at certain times. We have school activities, you know, you're juggling so much. You're working oh, yeah. full-time, doing all this other work as well. Mm -hmm. So it's like, uh, it's almost like I can't even imagine what 
all that free time would do, yeah. right? You know, um, things like Let that. Me just tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, cry. <laughs> I cry every time I leave my children who are off living their lives. You know, I do every time I miss them, but then I'm home and it's like, oh, I can kind of do whatever the heck I want whenever I want. I don't have to worry about anybody else. I mean, I'm in a relationship. I live with my fiance, but I, you know, it's just different when it's not children, even young yeah. teenagers. So yeah, I feel like I'm in between the continuum of, uh, yeah. you know, okay, we're, we're not going to keep her room exactly like a, like a museum when she leaves, but also it's not going to be converted into an office like the next day. <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle. Not the yoga room yet, right? She's gonna sleep when she comes home. Exactly. Um, they do come back, I, I must say. And sometimes they stay. Right, I know. It's like, all right, I don't even know what to wish. I wish for whatever's best. <laughs> anyway, but so I want to back up a second because you talked about, you know, getting cancer in your late 30s and how it um it became a whole thing with the surgeries and the treatments and the this and the that and then losing mm -hmm. your fertility and all of that. But I love how you said, you know, I always wanted to be a mother and I knew I still could be. It was just going to look different. So, you know, what else can you say about that? I mean, Hmm. Just well, having, I guess looking at life differently to as a coping strategy or as a a way to navigate those really difficult times, whatever they might be. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're in like one of those types of uh, situations, whether it's like you're it, it's an illness, injury, or some type of like like major trauma uh, event, it's like I don't know. I always the way I describe it is like you've already been to hell and you've somehow survive so let's thrive now it's like kind of like you know it is a process for everybody and you know being respectful of everyone's timeline um on that um because I mean even like you know um you know October every year you know is breast cancer awareness month and I'll have my moment of like oh wow you know can't believe that was like 18 years ago already or, or something like that you know you can, you can go back there you have those like I have more like visceral memories of the fall like what you know those types of things yes. um you know so it's kind of like you've already so it, it's almost like what else would you do like I don't know it's like why wouldn't you just kind of go for it um and that that's where my mind was was kind of like I have nothing to lose it's like yeah. I'm not waiting for things and so my daughter was adopted from Guatemala um and, you know, I had a lot of rejection. That was not an easy process, not because I was single. I think China was the only country it was like, no, we're not, you know, but just to be eligible to adopt, I was rejected because of my medical history, because it was only one year out. And there were, even in the US, they were like, absolutely not like five years, right? Especially as a single parent. Um, so I was just getting rejected right and left. I mean, that was like a six month process and a uh, full-time work, like trying to figure it out. And then that's where like the magic happens. It's like when you're really clear about what you want and it's not coming to you right away, you know, whether that's a new job or whatever it is. And then I went to this like brunch and this, you know, people are like, how's the adoption going? Right. Cause we learned through Jack, right. They tell everybody what your goal is. And, and yes. I was like, you know, and I was like, almost like, you know, like the exorcist. I was like, not very well. Like, I was like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> not a good day. 
okay, right? I was like, thanks um, for asking. <laughs> here, let me take some more of these pastries I just made. They're brought, you know. So, um, and then this like woman in the background who I didn't know was kind of like, um, oh, well, my neighbor just adopted a little boy, you know, from Guatemala. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I. Do you think she would speak with me? And I, the next day I spoke to her for three Red hours. Breadcrumb. Breadcrumb. Yeah. And I was like, and then I called her agency and they was like, sure, as long as your oncologist provides, you know, yeah, you know, when you adopt, you, you know, any kind of um, inhibitions, you know, go, you know, between your finances, your medical, like everything, you have to be oh, interviewed by yeah. social workers. Like it's a whole process. Well, I can't so, even. you know, um, and so that's how it happened. So again, that wasn't even the easiest, but when you're clear about what you want, you stick to it until you figure yes. it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know who said it. Maybe many have said it teachers over the years that I've listened to, and you probably have too, that have said, you know, if you have the desire for something like we're wired to desire certain things. And so if we, if we have the desire, there is a way to fulfill it. Like there is a way. So we don't want to give up on our dreams or our desires or anything because I'm wired to want certain things. I'm drawn to certain things. You're yep. drawn to certain things. Everybody listening is drawn to their certain things. And there's a reason they are. There's a reason you, you were drawn to this or that, or there's a reason you knew instinctively, I am a mother. You tell me I don't have my fertility anymore. You tell me I almost am going to die of cancer. I've got news for you. I'm going to live and I'm going to be a mother and then unfolded the whole thing. Meanwhile, yeah. little being born in Guatemala and her mama can't take care of her for all her reasons. And, uh, wow. And then you meet this woman in this conversation that you didn't know. Yep. And she and then who knew someone? I mean, it's just, that is how life goes. It's always conspiring in our favor somehow. Totally agree. In fact, like most days I wake up and kind of say like, hmm, yeah, I wonder what's going to be happening today. Like what magic's going to be happening today? Because I really feel like you will see what you're looking for or what you believe in. So in a sense, you know, it could be right away or it could be like the end of the day. And I'm like, oh, see, there was magic. Right there, like whether it was like a synchronistic kind of moment or that kind of like, right, are there really coincidences in life? It could be something small, but it's to me, it's big, you know, like where, where that, right? And so, um, and I don't know, it just makes it much more fun instead yeah. of, especially if I'm feeling very like, stressed. I mean, we all like, I'm, you know, some, in fact, like two weeks ago, I was like totally overwhelmed with everything I had to do um, and things like that. And then you're just like, all right, let me just take a step back here right? And this is supposed to be fun. <laughs> so what yeah. is, right? And then it's like kind of reprioritizing and regrouping because this is not fun right now, right? And so, you know, and we were all catch ourselves in that, but it's best to then work your way out of that, that hole. So for sure. Yeah, I think it's the blessing and the curse of being entrepreneurial, right? It's that we're very creative people. We're very visionary people. So it's like, ooh, this, ooh, that, ooh, shiny object over here, ooh, shiny object over there. 
you know, yes. wanting to try new things and interested, but then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I'm in the middle of 15 projects or something. I'm like, what? So, you know, I'm balancing the whole thing. And it's true. I, you know, when I was younger, when I would think of like middle age, I would always, um, I just thought I would know it. Like I'd have my act together and I would know everything. <laughs> like, I just was like, when you think about your fifties, you're like, oh, they got it so together. Like they figured yeah, it all so out. Right. They made it look exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now, yeah. And now I'm just like, the older I get, the realize I know like less and less. I'm just like, and I, and I think I'm okay with that. Mm. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm much more okay with it than I was before. Yeah. And when you were watching, you know, the older generations of women in your life, when you were younger, like what else did you think? What did you, did you soak anything in? Like, Oh, this is what it's like to be older this is what it's like to be I don't know what what did you think I don't know I mean it's a really good question Cindy it's kind of like I don't know part of that is like generational as well I just think like you know most of the people I knew uh when I was younger right most were married uh still um I don't think I mean I I think later on you know people released the divorce rate really went up but I guess I thought it'd be more like I guess taken care of you know, like I'm like on my own and I really do like that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Um, what's that, Cindy? I said, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No, there isn't. But I guess, you know, we didn't have a lot of models for that when we were younger. Yeah. Like you said, most, most people, at least in my world too, most of them were married. Men and women were married. And yeah. Uh, yeah, my my mother and my grandmother, my grandmothers and aunts were taking care of their husbands, their children, their grandchildren. Yep. You know, some of them were working also or farming full time or working full time outside the home or in the home. You know, um, and I do, I I saw a lot of women as very dutiful, like you know, dutiful, taking care of whatever the family farm. Yep the business or the children or their parents or it just very service oriented and not and didn't seem you know I don't know I think it was just what they did like I didn't I don't remember seeing them all going yeah this is what I'm doing or yeah. complaining like just this is what we do exactly I, well, I think it was like the home was their business it's like that yeah. was their work you know and they treated it as such and so you know, I mean, our household was very, growing up was very well run and organized and loving and all that, but it's, it's just different. I mean, I just even find it interesting, even like with um, trying to find like carpools, right? It's like people like, why isn't your generation like carpool? And it's like, uh, for very, we're all just running around, you know, it's hard. I mean, it would make it easier, but it's like, you got to coordinate all that. And so sometimes it's just like, we just do it. I don't know. It's just, it's a different time. So I, I find it, I just think that, you know, looking at older women, I just thought they just had it all together. They looked it for sure. So yeah, who knows what's going on, yeah. you know, underneath that whole thing. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> it's a different, very different world we live in for sure. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, I mean, even think of, I think about my mother and my grandmothers, they were, they were cleaning house every week my mom and my grandma cleaned their house every week from ceiling to floor and I do not do that and I don't live in filth but I don't I don't do that like I no. can 
spend every Saturday morning cleaning the whole house. No way. I mean, I do a good, we do a good thorough cleaning once a month and then we keep things up, you know? So yeah. I know we don't live in filth, but we don't, that's not like, if my mother would have skipped a Saturday cleaning, she probably would have felt like she was bad or something, like that was wrong or something. You know what I mean? Now I'm speaking for her. She's not here to speak for herself, but I just, it was such an expectation or I, I don't know. I, it's, you know, and I don't know. Yeah. It's just a different focus or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. My generation have housekeepers too. Yeah. So hire housekeepers. So, you know, I don't think our mothers and grandmothers would have hired housekeepers. No, no. I think we delegate, you know, where's our time best spent and things like that. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It's just a different, uh, different path. Wow. So, uh, so now when you think about, um, you know, some of your best, what's helped you the most through all the transitions you've been through in the middle of your life, uh, I mean, you've mentioned several of them here. What's really kept you going or really been inspirational to you as you've navigated through all of it? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a writer. I mean, when I was younger, I would write, um, I, I, you know, I write poetry, but I didn't even know what I was writing. I just write, uh, you know, when I, so I think what's really helped me is journaling. Mm. And I do it early in the mornings um, where I'm fresh and I just kind of make sense of it all. And at first I was doing like streams of consciousness, which a lot of people do, right? They just write for the sake yeah. of writing. And I would look at these pages uh, that I wrote and be like, okay, no wonder I'm going crazy here. Like, cause every, there's a visual representation of all these like random thoughts in my head. Yeah. And then one day, like the words, like certain words and phrases like came off the pages. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought enough to take them and put them on a separate, write them on a separate piece of paper. And I call them my little vignettes, my little stories. Um, until someone mentioned it was like, I think you're writing poetry. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> I'm not trained in, in uh, literature or like writing specific poetry. It's just, um, you know, I just how I kind of express myself. But I kept it to myself for years. That was how I journaled. And I, it almost felt like the energy that and all the angst or questioning or even positive things like happy, happy things were like, was, you know, like going on the paper. Like it just felt like, I just felt calmer after. Um, and then I started sharing some of what I wrote, um, even in a work corporate setting. And, you know, it just changes. It's like, it gets you out of your head and more into yeah. your heart. And you're having totally different conversations. So that I, I really, and um, that's actually something I'll be starting uh, and the new year, new year is doing, um, you know, some just online journaling with people to, you know, uh -huh. you don't have to write poetry. It's just writing for the sake of writing. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to write a book or you, it could be the start of something, but, but it's, but it's, I just think it's like, you know, finding your thing that, and then working out, I, I need to just physically get out some of the energy um, and so I walk most days. <clears throat> I did buy, I did buy a Peloton during the pandemic. I, I and an air fryer, you know, as well. Um, but I did. <laughs> so I don't go to a gym anymore at this moment. But um, but I just need to be physically moving. Mm. To and it really just calms my my mind as well. 
Yeah. So you, you're really a proponent of the mind body connection, aren't you? And, and the emotions and everything. Yep. So when we take care of the body, we're taking care of the mind, we're taking care of the emotions. So that movement, and it doesn't have to be fancy movement. I mean, I think sometimes women, mm -hmm. they're frustrated with their bodies, they're frustrated emotionally, and they don't know what to do with themselves. And uh, they think they have to go lift weights for an hour and be in a three hour class and, you know, become this whatever athlete. And it's like, no, just move, move, go walk yeah. down the neighborhood and it will clear your head and it will ease your, your mind and it will, your body will thank you for that movement. All the systems in our bodies love that. And, and like you're writing, you're journaling, it's a, it's an outlet, right? It's an outlet. It's an expression. Yes. Energy. Our, our emotions can pent up our, you know, can be pent up energy in our bodies. Um, our strong thinking patterns can get kind of trapped up in there and just moving or finding some outlet of expression that feels uh, good can really be healthy. I know I, I have friends who embroider or sew or yeah. know, do all kinds of knitting or things with their hands or paint, um, not to be painters, but just, they just paint to paint, to let out, you know, just that expression. And so I, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Cause I mean, the, the, the clients I work with, it's really about creative expression for self-discovery. And self-discovery leads to transformation. So it really it can have it even be in a business set. It could be creative, uh, you know, very strategic in, in the business world. You know, I mean, you know, and whatever kind of comes out. I mean, that's why, like, I post my poetry most days on Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook. And, you know, what's really interesting is that, like, the random, like, people, like, it's like random topics. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of whatever is coming up. So it's not always autobiographical, but yeah. it definitely is always personal in the sense yeah. that my observation might not be happening to me, but mm -hmm. it's my, like, so for instance, can I read you one that I just kind of wrote, oh. if that's okay? Hey. Oh, listen up. If you are multitasking <laughs> listeners, stop everything. She's going to read one of her poems. I'm so excited. Okay. Which is this in one of the first two books or is this one that's going to be? In no, this one I actually just posted. So we're, you know, recording this around Halloween time. Um, and uh, this again, just, it, I write, it usually takes about 10, 15 minutes to write this stuff, but you know, these are the kind of themes that I think would resonate with um, you know, the folks listening uh, and stuff. So I called it trick or treat. So what's the trick or treat? So, so it said, um, so I wrote, I'll be happy when I get that new job. I have more money, lose the weight, find my soulmate. And the trick of it all is getting so caught up in the treat that awaits us that we don't have the, that we don't love the life we're living now as we wait for someone else to hand out the sweetness for a moment instead of the hallowed ween of happiness continuously. Mm. So what if you were happy right now as is? Trick or treat, you decide. Oh, oh my gosh, I love it. Oh, I just, yeah, I was really having that moment of kind of like, gosh, I mean, I love working towards what's next, but mm -hmm. 
sometimes I get so caught up in what's next that I'm not even really fully uh, appreciative of yeah. now. And that's where all that gratitude, right? Like the gratitude of now will bring me back. Like what, what instead of focusing on what I don't have, what, what do I have? So again, you need those constant reminders, at least I do, you know. Oh, for sure. Well, and, and with, with thinking about the middle of our lives, it's like, if we just keep waiting for when this happens or this happens, or this, I mean, when are we going to stop waiting? Like, what are we what? waiting for now? I'm 55. Like I, I don't need to wait anymore for anything. Cause this is it. This is it. The time is now. I mean, and we don't, we don't know. Will we live to be a hundred? Will we live to be 70? Will we live to be 58? I mean, what are, you know, I, waiting yeah. for this to happen or this to happen first or that to happen or this to be happy is like that's a setup for disaster so yeah I yeah. love love what you're saying we want to love what is as Byron Katie Katie teaches yes and then She's be great. curious about what else could be for sure yeah yeah and actually I have another poem on that too I just I just have to kind of like you know it's so funny is that I um because this is this is what I really do. I mean, I don't really read what I write most of the time. I don't reread it. It's like I. It's like almost like when I write it and it put it out in the world, mm-hmm. like I'm good. But this one I do read most days, um, and maybe it'll help people who are listening. But um, it's called "If I Was Lovable," right? Like when I'm enough, right? When I'm worthy, when I'm like right, when like enough already, right? To your point, right? Okay. So it goes like this, if I was lovable, what would I wear? What would I eat? What music would I listen to? Where would I go? Who would I hang out with? How would I show up? What would get my attention? What would I act on? And what would I ignore? And would it look like today? And that helps me decide a lot about what I'm doing in each moment. Those are fantastic questions to ask. And because of what do I hear more than anything? Women think they're not enough. Why? I know. They're more than enough. My gosh, we are more than enough. And I, I want everybody to love and accept themselves just as they are. So those powerful questions in that poem really, you know, it's like, well, what would you be doing different if you were enough? Like, would you wear something different? Would you eat something different? Would you hang out with somebody different? What would you be doing? I love it. Oh, yeah. And then, and where would it stay the same? So in a sense, it's like, where have you kind of mastered that? You know, because there's so many different parts of your life. And it's like, you know, just to notice it. So I, I kind of say that to myself most days now about what would I wear? Like, you know, even though like, you know, I mean, I work from home most days now, everything's remote and via Zoom. And I still like, I, I, I was definitely guilty of the same yoga pants sweatshirt, you know, oh. once the pandemic, I mean, I had to like throw it out. I was like, I can't even look at that without being traumatized, <laughs> at least getting some reaction. But now it's like, no, I'm going to just get dressed for me. Like, regardless, I mean, I will see people like virtually, but it's like, it's okay, yeah. you know, it's like to do it. So like, when is it enough? I know. And that's, was really my question, which it's, I, I don't know, maybe it's a continuous for me. It's, it's an ongoing, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, that whole perfection and, and all of that. It's, it's just, um, it feels it's, it's impossible. 
So good luck. I, I, that's what I say to myself. Good luck, Michelle. <laughs> Oh, perfection is impossible. Perfectionism, like, I like oh, that. What is that even? It's not even, we couldn't even, I, I sat once with about 12 people and it was a spiritual class group I was, we were taking or whatever. And we talked about body image, you know, in midlife. And we had 12 mm -hmm. different body sizes there. Tall, short, really super thin, really much heavier some very muscular, some very stocky, some, you know, hourglass, some apples, some pears, some, I mean, there was everything. And we challenged ourselves to ask ourselves, which, which was the perfect body? You know, which one of us had the perfect body? Seriously. We either all were, or none of us were like, there's no one, you know, big bone, small bone, which, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. And so it's the same with everything. Like you're, we're all enough because we're who we are. We're just, we're just creatively and uniquely made. And you're you, I'm me, and every listener is themselves. And that's enough. That's that all. That's all we have to do is just be ourselves and be the best version of ourselves, whatever that is and some days the best version is not as uh, pretty as other days maybe right yeah right exactly okay. I think, yeah no I think I notice and you know I notice a lot with um you know just doing you know work in different theaters and meeting different people um really being out of my element right that whole imposter syndrome of kind of like uh what do I say I do with these people <laughs> like uh <laughs> I'm like, I'm a writer, right? Or, or you know, what if I'm a co-producer? But, you know, it's just so fascinating. What I notice the most, especially with women, is their smile. It's like, are they making eye contact? You know, which really is coming from a certain confidence. It's like yeah. an authenticity. And who isn't attracted to somebody who's like feeling comfortable in their shoes, you know? Exactly. Um, so, and they're all different body types and like, you know, whether it's haircut, like whether their hair is done or not, you know, they could be all like, you know, casual or super dressed up. But that's what I notice, I think, the most. And then someone will say like, oh, I like her jacket or this. And I'm like, I didn't even really notice it, to be quite honest. Yeah. Like her, her, like just how she approached was really Perfect. enough. Yeah. It was like kind of dazzling almost. So. Yeah. It's like everybody think about, you know, how those think of people that we know who, when they walk in a room, you just, you know, there's an energy they come in the room with, you know, yeah. and it's not any certain energy. It's their, it's their authenticity coming through and that's powerful. So when we can just show up as ourselves, authentic, genuine, it's powerful. <clears throat> it's a lovely, yeah. powerful thing and it's attractive. And so I guess I would say part of what I feel like you're saying is that encouraging our listeners just to show up in this season of their lives as themselves. And if yep. they don't like something about themselves, there's ways to change anything. You know, yep. you really can't, you don't like something about yourself. It's possible to change it. I've changed things about myself. I don't like over the years and I will continue to look at those things but not in a criticism way not like oh what's the matter with me but more like I just want to keep growing in these areas like I I, I want to be uh <clears throat> you know more patient or more I don't know 
you know. Yeah, or or you change your perspective, right? Something's got to change. Yeah. Yes. Some. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh, we could talk all day. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. What are we doing after? (laughs) Don't worry, listeners. We won't, but we could. Uh, like, oh my God, please make it stop, right? <laughs> this is a juicy conversation. I just, wow, I can't thank you enough. Is there anything else you really want to share in terms of your wisdom about midlife or anything? Or do you want to show us your books or, I mean- Oh, what? you're so sweet. No, it's like, you know, I, I really just from like a wisdom perspective, I mean, I, I think we, I don't know if I have any wisdom to kind of offer, but I mean, one, one thing I- would say is that, you know, if people do want to see my daily postings, again, it's most days, you know, on, on Instagram, um, it's, it's the Michelle Kaplan. There's a lot of Michelle Kaplan's out there. So I had to kind of like, me, Michelle Kaplan. Yeah, me, Michelle Kaplan. And we sound so like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. Or, um, or it's Michelle Kaplan on, on Facebook or, um, Michelle J Kaplan on LinkedIn, but you know, I think those were like these little glimpses of the wisdom for me comes early in the morning with my writings. It almost feels like a download. I'm receiving something, I'm writing it down, and then I kind of post it out. And what's so beautiful is mostly, I mean, people share in the comment section, but a lot of times I get private messages from people kind of saying like, this is what stood out for me. This is how it helped me think about, you know, my situation, which is totally different details. So I'm fascinated how the details can be different, but the themes are universal. Yeah. Um, and so, because really at the end of the day, we're all poets in the way we live our lives. Um, and so it's kind of like, I, that's why I think it resonates um, with people um, so much. So yeah, I mean, that's how I'd really probably end it. If, if you want to get some more glimpses of it, check it out. That would be great. Thank you. Oh gosh. Well, I highly encourage all of you out there to give, give her poetry a look for sure. Her books are called and, and, uh, and then the other one is burst and flourish too. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So my website is um, www.michellejkaplan.com. Kaplan with a K uh, and two L's with Michelle. And, um, and there, you know, if you are interested in, uh, the books or any or any more information about me you could check it out there on the website that'd be great wonderful thank you so much cindy it was so great hanging with you thank you so much i appreciate your time and all your wisdom and your sharing and this is a great conversation and uh yeah i just love you to pieces so thank you so much and and all you listeners out there thank you for being with us today and please keep coming back for more and feel free to share this podcast with others subscribe and follow and if you want more information about what else i have going on as well you can go to my website at cindydwhitmer.com so i will talk to you again soon thanks for being here